kicked out of it, now throws it deep downfield, Tyree who makes the catch at the 23 yard line, what a play by Manning, and what a catch by Tyree. Manning airs it out down the field, it is caught by Tyree, Tyree just goes up for it like a basketball player, Harrison trying to knock it down. Pressing it against his helmet as he goes to the ground and not dropping it. All right, we are back. We catch the moment podcast. It's your boy David Tyree, creating crazy memories out here in Vegas. We have been doing some amazing work out here, and I got, I, you know, I call this guy inspirational on so many different levels because I actually want mentors that are older than me, and I want mentors that are younger than me. And so I'm gonna welcome my my friend Blake Wynn. How we doing, my boy? I'm good, man. I was just told to catch the moment by David Tyree, so I'm doing awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, that's what we're doing, man. So you know what it is here. It's just really about, you know, and for yourself, you know, here's the funny thing. You know, when I when I, when I mentioned, you know, Blake Wynn and, you know, we'll get to some of your backdrop, you know, I'm always trying to make you like 25, 26. So, <laughs> so just clear the air. How, how old are you right now? I'm 22 right now. 22, 22, 22 years old. So I'm like, for all, and the reason why is I'm like, he's, he's too successful. He can't be 22. <laughs> <laughs> And so that's actually the most intriguing um, dynamic. We've had like conversations on every level. Like, you know, like I'm telling you about my son who's 20 years old and trying to figure out life. We're talking about business, we're talking about marketing, we're talking about sports. So, you know, you know, just to start this off and really kind of layer, you're 22 years old. You've obviously, you know, everybody can Google some, you know, some of what you've done. You found success early on in your, as a teenager, as a YouTuber, like, and listen, Right. State the obvious. The, the the last name bears a whole lot of weight. But what has been your mindset as you've progressed as a young man and establishing your identity, your imprint as a person, as a and ultimately as a as a leader in business? I think the most important thing is always knowing how you can provide value to somebody. Like, I think one thing that a lot of people don't understand. And so my world has either been in my teens. I was kind of that micro celebrity and I got to see a lot of how people interact with you when they look at you like that. Mm -hmm. And then conversely, I always had my whole list of people that I looked at as like celebrities, people that I really looked up to. And I realized people that I really gravitated towards were the people who were always like give, 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 and weren't just ask, ask, ask. Cause as you know, I mean, everyone's always got something that they want to ask for. And so for me, and it's honestly, it's something that I even talk to my team a lot about now. It's like, we're in a world now where five to seven days a week, we're interacting with celebrities in person, people at the highest level. And it's like, if you want a picture, you want an autograph, like go wait in line at one of their meet and greets. Like, that's not what we do. We're here to provide them value. Like if you want a picture, then take it after 12 months of hanging out with them, right? Like take it when you guys are actually friends and you've actually provided them value. So that way, when it comes time for you to ask and your ask is a photo, they're like, dude, I need that photo, right? You see what I'm saying? And so like, I think for us, it's always been about, all right, like I'll, I'll give you a perfect example based on something that we did, right? Yeah. Like you don't need me to do anything that you're doing in life, but how can I maybe help you, right? Mm -hmm. Like I come from a social media background, so I can maybe give you tips and tricks on podcasts. Like you said, I'm coming to Vegas. I need help with X, Y, and Z, right? Like, well, I'm born and raised here. Obviously you mentioned the family name, like we've got a connection or two in town. So Absolutely. leveraging those for your benefit is something that I'm very mindful of. Not so that way one day I can go, David, 
I got this mammoth of a favor that I got to ask you for. But just so that way, like, when you think about Blake, you aren't like, oh, that's that fan that I accidentally gave my number to, right? <laughs> like, when you think about Blake, it's like, oh, that's who I hit up when I go to Las Vegas. Right? Yeah. That's someone who can help me do anything, right? Yeah. He, he, can, he can help me explain something to my son no different than he can help me get an endorsement deal on my social media. Oh, this is bars. And the, the astonishing part about this is you learned this at, at 22 years old, right? Like, you know, so that's that's what's more impressive. I find, you know, like, and I don't know, everybody, you know, I'm, you know we get into our generations, Generation X and, and Z. I don't know what the hell's going on, X, Y, Z, <laughs> right? But ultimately, it's we do acknowledge certain differences. Um, you know, younger people are getting much more flack in relation to the entire, they're, they're real things, right? But what has kind of made you, because I find it is either a young person is like a dynamic leader already between 20 to 25, or they don't have a clue. So what, you know, like even in light of you navigating that early, finding some niche in the, in the, in the uh, digital space, like what, what would you say is that message before we wrap, you know, wrap back into some of your story? I think there's two ways you can look at age. You can use it as an excuse or you can use it as a tool. So like for me, I'm 22 years old. I know how much life I have left and how much experience I still have yet to gain. So mm -hmm. I'm just trying, I'm at the point in my life now where as much as yes, I'm leading a business, I'm also doing so by absorbing and learning as much as I can from people that I respect. A very easy default for me could be, let's say, right, we're a marketing agency, right? So if yeah. I have a client come to me and they go, hey, we did a campaign and it fell short, right? Honestly, there's a lot of people that are my age, I'm not naming any names, I'm not referring to anybody, but yeah. just 22 year olds in general that would go, oh my, I, I, I didn't know any better, I'm 22. And they would actually default to that and use that as an excuse. And to me, that's a terrible excuse. Like if you're 22, you're 14, whatever age you are. Yeah. And, and honestly, if you're 50, right? No matter what age you are, it's, it's all about what you do. It's all about the value you provide. It's all about like the impact that you're actually gonna make on somebody in a conversation, a business interaction, in a friendship, whatever it is. So, you know, being 22 is a, a mark of how long ago I was born. You know, like, I don't, like to me, like <laughs> age it. is really not much more than that. You I know? love because it. Because at the same time, like, I mean, I know some 17, 18 year olds that seriously, they'd blow your mind away. Yeah. These kids are geniuses. And I know 30 year olds that I'm like, Hold your where what did anything happen in the first 30 years of your life like like have you been outside because like yeah. i don't understand how this is this is where you're at you know yeah this is this is dynamic because i talk about how maturity right is based on it's not obviously you you get experience with age right so you have experience but it doesn't always lead to maturity right and and so you know you get old you can't tell me nothing you know <laughs> how long you've been alive well so ultimately the decisions that you make is what determines your your maturity level, right? So your 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 mindset of being a a, a sponge, a continuous learner, a lifetime learner, that growth mindset that we all kind of know and talk about, it's clearly set you you know set you set your sales to have what I would say is like you know just some some dynamic success, man. So you're pouring into your team, um, you, you know just for you know I know I know you and Hayes got a great relationship with Enclave Key. Tell me what role sports right has kind of like paved in your just your identity, you know, where you are and how you've arrived. So when I was four or five years old is when I first started playing sports and I played soccer. That was just what I grew Gotta up Gotta start on. with soccer. I was way too small for football, way too small <laughs> for everything else. Couldn't even pick up a basketball, right? So as I'm playing soccer, I was always midfield. And if you're midfield, you gotta run a lot. And when you're four or five, like you don't really run out of steam, but at the same time, like you get super, super tired and all yeah. of a sudden a kid ends up faster than you. My mom and I are like 
best friends. My mom and I are awesome. Are, I'm closer to my mom than anybody. Hayes, Brock, uh, all these people that are, I mean, I consider family, all these yeah. people, but my mom and I are like, like as close as you get. Right. So she'd be on the sideline at all my games and I'd be chasing somebody down or I'd be going to score. And all I could hear in my head, she'd scream from the sidelines, turn on the jets. That's what she'd say. Turn on the jets. Nice. And as soon as she'd say that, it was almost like you redialed in and I just got one extra step. I just got a little bit faster because right as I'm getting tired, right mm-hmm. as I'm trying as hard as I can, I heard something in my head go, just give it that much more. Give yeah. it that much more of an eek, right? Like probably same as you, right? When that ball is coming to you, it's like, just don't let go, right? Oh, like, man. like in a normal situation, <laughs> you probably would have let go of that ball, right? In that situation, can't, you can't. <laughs> too far and few. <laughs> You're too far and few, right? Yeah. So that's how I kind of look at life. Like even this week, right? Like I said, like every day this week was 10 a.m. to 6 a.m. So when my alarm rings at 9.45 and I want nothing more than to like, honestly, like go throw up and then go back to bed, I'm like, nope, turn on the jets, like get up. Like you got it somewhere to be, you got a breakfast to be at. Like this, yeah. is, this is what you want to be doing. You got a great person waiting to meet with whatever it is. Yeah. And so for me, sports has been more so something that's developed my character traits and the character traits that I lean on very heavily to run business. Nice. I was never that great of an athlete. I was very, very into football. I actually had like college offers even when I was in Okay. Uh, middle school. Okay, dog. But D2. It's all good. I was quarterback. I loved it. Uh, when I was 13, I broke my hip and I couldn't walk for like three months. And I was like, I'm done with sports. Like, I'm not about to wake up. I'm 13 years old. I'm waking up in pain. <laughs> Keep in mind as well, when I was 13 years old, like I wasn't crushing it in business, but I already had my own business. Yeah. I paid taxes since I was 12 years old because I had my own business since I was 11. <laughs> so like I had things that I was already excited about as well outside yeah. of the sport. And so for me, it was all, it was always a deep love of it. I'm a diehard sports fan. Like, you're not going to stump me on sports <laughs> trivia kind of thing. Um, and that's what's made the business so cool. That's what makes it so that way at 10 a.m. I want to get up, right? Like, there's always that that saying, like, there's no reason to start a business unless you love what you do. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I'm like, I know what it takes to grow and scale a business. I've done it three times now. And so for me, like, when I start something, I'm like, I'm going to have to love this that way at 10 a.m. when I do feel like that. And 10 a.m. is right. a bad example because normally it's more like 6 or 7 or 8, whatever, right? I have to be able to get up. I have to be able to be excited about it, right? Mm, that's good. Because now you talk about the, the why, right? The real purpose. I mean, like when, when, when life dictates that, you know, you, you've earned the right to kind of like lay down, recover, rest, but it has to be something that triggers in your mind, right? Like, And I think, you know, sports does does give us not just – it gives us that reality. I tell people, I said, there's a lot of things I don't enjoy doing. Like, I was never, like, the guy who was the gym rat. Like, you know, but I was the guy who wanted to beat every person next to me. And so if those guys aren't next to me, I don't have the same drive. I could be honest. Like, now, you know, so I had some ultra-competitive qualities, but me in the gym by myself? Now, I knew I can go run by myself. I can go do some other things by myself, but not not four days a week. So, you know, you got to know how you're motivated, yeah. how you're wired. And and that's that's absolutely dynamic. So like you kind of mentioned you kind of mentioned mom. I always like to get the behind the scenes because life life hits us all from like different directions, right? So I tell people, not, no one hits harder than life, right? Like so when you find success, you're young, and we're actually when you're young, you're very emotionally vulnerable. Yeah. So how are you navigating those? You know, we're, we're talking about mental health all, all all across the country. How are you navigating some of those weak moments as you're an emerging? you know, as your emerging business leader as a teenager. I think I always revert back to long-term vision, right? Like, don't get me wrong. There are days that suck. Everyone has days that suck, Facts. right? Like, 
And so my mom is someone who I always grew up idolizing from a character standpoint. Like we don't do the same thing. My mom's not an entrepreneur. Like we have our differences in terms of what we tactically do. But as a person, she's someone that I've always looked up to. And honestly, outside of her, I've had like my sports idols, right? Like there's people that I grew up like, man, like, right. If you're a football player, when I'm eight or nine years old, like you're larger than life. But like, I don't look up to you as a person. I don't even know you as a person. Right. And so for me, like, I'll give you a perfect example, right? On, I think he was winning, what's the one for movies? Oscars, right? When you win an award, it's an Oscar. Yeah, yeah, that's the big boy. So Matthew McConaughey won an Oscar and he gave this phenomenal speech where he says, the person who I idolize is me in 10 years, right? He's like, Mm. I always want to love, like, he's like, if if me 10 years ago knew where I was standing today, that me would idolize the current me. Me 10 years ago, let's, I'll give you an even better anecdote. Me 15 years ago at eight years old, yeah. watching my first ever NFL football game. You, I think you were, you may know about it, Super Bowl 42, Pats, Giants. I okay. Think the team. Literally, the first, first football game I ever watched in my life. Obviously, I remember your catch. Your catch was a big deal. Oh, so that's a part of the pie. So, t- so tell me where you were and your memory. Okay, what, what the hell I was at I was at my cousin who is like 25 years older than me as his house named Sam Perkin. He'll love that I just name dropped him on your podcast. Got, got to give it. Give up, Sam. Um, so I'm watching the game at his house. I'm eight years old. I had already started collecting football cards because you could buy them at Target, and I just didn't watch the sport. So I like knew all you guys. Maybe okay. like like again, I can't remember who I knew. I definitely knew like Eli. I definitely knew uh, Michael Strahan. Like I yeah. knew like the guys that definitely you didn't know me. Get their card. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like, but like truly, like you make the play that you make mm-hmm. and I'm like, wow, I mean, these people are larger than life. Like mm-hmm. that, like what a cool thing. And now I'm sitting here today on this podcast with you 15 years later. I like if me 15 years ago knew that 15 years later, I'd be sitting here with you talking about where I was during that moment. Like, where was I? Like I was eight, you know, yeah. like I was still a little kid. Right. And now we're getting to share those stories. And it's not even like I'm sharing those stories with you. Like we have that very real relationship no, absolutely. largely outside of all of this. And so that to me is actually the part that 15 years, years ago I would have idolized about what I'm doing now, right? Like a lot of, you know, like I say, like we have, we used to have, I mean, we, we, they're still clients, but they're, you know, they're out of football now, but like mm-hmm. Shane Victorino, Adrian Peterson, I mean, guys that I've, we've got Pac-Man Jones, guys that we've gotten to work with, party with, golf with, yeah. you know, go dinner, whatever it is, like, man, 10 years ago, that this would have crazy. been like, what? Because 10 <laughs> years ago, like I would get, you know, $100, $200 for my birthday. And like that $100, $200 was straight pumped into NFL shop. I'm getting a piece of memorabilia. I'm getting a jersey. Money's gone. Now it's like we get sent all the, you know, it's just, it's, a, it's such a different life. Yeah. But to me, it's a life that I've been designing since I was eight years there old. There you go. You were sowing seeds into, into your future just by relation of being authentic, right? Like it was, it was the joy. It was the journey. It was like. Man, I'm 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 in pursuit. That, that's this. I know the key word these days is manifest. And you know what? This is the, you'll like this. So you're not supposed to gamble till you're 21. First time I gambled, I was eight years old watching this football <laughs> game with betting with. Uh, I don't remember which uncle I made the bet on, but I didn't know I didn't know enough about the records. So mm-hmm. the, they were like, "You want to bet on the game?" I'm like, sure. Like, who do you want? They're like, "I'll take the Patriots." I'm like, "All right, Giants is fine." Like, I figured like, well, if you're both in the Super Bowl, like clearly you deserve to be there. Like now in retrospect, I'm like, man, I can't believe no points, no nothing. You guys were 17 point dogs in that game. And no I doubt. gave him a straight up line and I, I took the $10 home. And so it's, it's just funny. Like I just wanted to finish <laughs> adding to that, that the story of, of what I remember about the catch. I was sure a lot of people will probably remember it more clearly than I do, but uh, 
no, it was it was definitely one of those moments that really made me fall in love with the sport, which has honestly largely dictated my life since then. I think it's it's, it's been an awesome journey for you, man. Just like I said, I've, I'm, I was always keen as I got to know you, your story, um, and like I said, we you know this is just something just random, real, and I and I've always I appreciate relationships. Like you know, me and you have this offline conversation and. You know, most people just don't get it. I, I find it, and, I, and the good thing is, the more conversations I have with more people, there are more people who are starting to understand that you never lose when you give. So that's one of my that's one of my sayings: you never lose when yeah. you give. And you know, f- amazingly, you've you've learned that up to this point. Whereas we have, I call them like whether they're legacy owners or legacy leaders. You know, some older generations, and it's just and it's a take mentality or a bottom line mentality that leaves people empty, man. It, it sucks. So like, you know, in light of you kind of recognizing that, living by that early, um, early on, like what, like what is, as you're, as you're creating this company with Enclave and Key, like what is the true fabric of what you're trying to create within your culture and ultimately what you're trying to deliver through your company? It's so Enclave, so the, I'll take you back steps. The word, the word Enclave means a group that is different than those surrounding it. And so just by definition, I think that what we do as an agency very much so embodies that because a normal marketing agency, you go to them, you give them the money that you want to spend on ads or on influencers or on press or whatever it is that you want to do. Yeah. They execute whatever they told you they were going to execute and that's the end of it, right? Like, I'll give you a perfect example. Sean McPeak is a client of mine. We do all the all his PR work. Nice. Right? And so like, Sean's coming to Vegas. Hey, I'm going to be in town. Are you around? I'm like, dude, I, I honestly, I don't have time to get dinner. He's like, oh, like I've been podcasting, blah, blah, blah. You, on the other hand, are hitting me up. Hey, I'm podcasting, blah, blah. And all of a sudden I'm like, I can connect dots here. So really the purpose of Enclave is to be the nucleus of this hyper-connected network of just some of the coolest individuals in the world. And then being that tool that brings them together. Nice. And, and honestly, 98% of the time, those things aren't there's no way to monetize those. I'm not yeah. like texting you or Sean, like, Hey, like, you know, here's my Venmo, like shoot me, shoot me some cash <laughs> or like the introduction or something like that. No, but yeah. seriously, like there are so many people who give for the sake of keeping score. Mm. And I think that that is like such an antithesis of what like I want to do. Like I've, I've, I've had people be like, Hey, like, you know, I did X, Y, and Z for you when you were on YouTube. Like I need you to do all this for me for free right now. And I'm like, well, I mean, we're, we're, I'm so far off back, what you're saying. And, and it's not because I don't want to reciprocate value that was given to me, but I don't do it in a, in a transactional manner. Yeah, I yeah, do it yeah. because that's how I choose to live. Like I, right. I, I, I've, I chose to go down the road of, I just want to, I just want to get to hear more stories, right? Like truthfully, the reason I designed the business the way it's designed right now is because like I said, at 22 years old, I know I need to learn. Mm-hmm. I don't really learn that well in school. That's why I dropped out. So I decided I was going to learn from, the best CEOs in the world, the best former athletes in the world. Like I want to learn from the best because I think then it's not a far stretch of the imagination to presume that you can become the best. Right. Brilliant. And so for me, this is just a way that, yeah, we can make some money along the way. We can have some fun along the way. We can test our skills. We can do our thing. We can travel the world. I mean, we really, we've designed something that's quite fun, not only just for me, but I think if you asked anyone in our staff and you've met a bunch of them, oh yeah, they love what they do. Um, they've been here for a long time, but also very similar to me. They're all very young. They're very motivated. Um, and they're people who all like originally it was my vision, right? Cause originally it was just me, but now it's a company vision. Everyone has nice. the same vision. 
And like, these are sound bites that I think you'll honestly probably hear from a lot of different people. Yeah. The question is, is how are those things actually applied? Like if you walked into our office, you could palpably feel everything that I'm telling you right now. Mm. You walk into Nike, you might not palpably feel that. You know what I mean? Like you there walk you into go. a Nike store, like the person at the cashier, like they probably don't like their job. And if no. they do, then the person next to them doesn't. The guy in the stock room maybe doesn't. Yeah. Right? Like if you don't like what you do at Enclave, like I'm the first person like, Give me, give me a piece of paper. Let's write you a good old letter of rec. And not only that, where do you want to work? You want to work at a hotel? Well, I have to have some contacts here. Let's get them on the phone and let's get you over there, right? Love like, because to me, I'm like, you're still young too and you're trying to build your story. And so if your story does not become a part of my story, our story, whatever it is, that's yeah. okay too. You, know, you see what I'm saying? Like, no losses. No, you, like that's, that's exactly it, right? Is any situation, how can you walk away feeling like you won? Now, to me, I can feel a way walk. I can walk away feeling like I won if I feel like I provided value. Like mm. I, I get more of a high providing value than receiving value, just because to me it's like, man, like, imagine if ten years ago I knew that I would actually be in a position in life where I could provide David Tyree this much value. Yeah, you know what I mean. Imagine if I knew that I could provide this guy with this value. Yeah, and at the same time too, like, how do you actually earn a seat at the table? Because being twenty two. It is very tough to earn a seat at the table. Like I'm, I might not take around, my age I'm that seriously. For that. I'm coming for that. But yeah. other people do. Other people look at it like, oh, he's 22. Like, what can he really do? What experiences he really had, right? And they're not wrong. I want to be around that table because I'm trying to learn from your experience. <laughs> I'm not trying to tell you all about mine. Yeah, you see what I'm saying? It's excellent. So, I, I, I so talk about my own enough. Gears. You can flip because I think, like I said, hell yeah. You, there's 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 the the reality. I think people once they've established some measure of credibility. You know, like for some people, it's like something that says that I can't, I can't go back, right? So there's this ability that you've accomplished something, but you're still in the, in this great position where you know you have, whoa, like I got a lot to learn, but I can still add value to somebody that's younger and or older than me. Yeah, hundred percent. This stuff is this stuff is huge because, listen, I'll I'll shout it to the rooftop because. You know, like everybody gets to, you know, I kind of laugh at like um, the way life, like, you know, words start start coming out there. I hear, I hear it manifest. It's like the word of the year. Everybody's, yeah. you know, manifest. So, um, but I do know that words frame, you know, frame your reality. Words frame our future. So I get it. I'm, I'm over here talking about like, man, I need, I need younger, I need younger mentors too. Because I grew up in a, you know, like my life, I have a, I have a kid at 21 years old. You immediately mature and, you know. And I can't do some of the things that a grinding 20-year-old can do, especially being an athlete, right? So you're just less available to do. And that's why I appreciate people who don't waste their 20s. I'm like, yeah, it's easy to waste your 20s. I call it the young and dumb decade. It's like, <laughs> no, 100%. Right? You know, like some would say young, dumb, full of cum, right? Like all that stuff. <laughs> so it's, it's pretty dope oh when God. people can find that, that, that productive element, whereas you're, you're you're learning you 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 kind of like you said learning through experience, right? Because the academics and and like I said, there's 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 some value there, but thank God the the you know it's kind of shifting where people are understanding that when you acquire skills, you're learning. When you acquire understanding, you're learning. So this is this this is this is freaking dope, man. So like as it stands, the 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 next phase, I wanna I wanna double back to like, you know, now everybody wants a YouTube page. Right? Yeah. Like I'm over here, you know, trying to figure out how to, you know, get folks to subscribe to catch the boat, right? We go we over here providing value and content. You 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 you're a pioneer in this space. Like, do do they coexist at this point in your life? Because now when you have something that appears to be a traditional, um a traditional business model, like tell me, tell me that part. They don't 
really coexist for me anymore. The skills still do, but like I, I myself, I don't still create that much content for socials. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, you know, I post on Instagram, I post on TikTok here and there, and, and believe me, I, I still get how to do it in a way that it, it works for the intended audience. Yep. But I'll be super honest with you, and I don't normally say this kind of thing on podcasts, but we're close, so I will. Go for it. Bro. I, I want I, it. I didn't love YouTube. I loved the business of YouTube. Like, I, to me, like, it's not that I was like, oh, I don't like being an influencer. I don't like taking photos or something like that. Yeah. I did, and it had its place in my life. But to me, from the moment it really, really started for me, it was like, this is going to be a chapter because I'm never going to go to the NFL, and I want to experience what it would be like to have this kind of personality at the same time when you're 16, 17, 18 years old, what's the best way to build a network? Provide value. How do you provide value when you're a sophomore in high school? Like if you got a platform that has 500,000 followers on it, you can interact with anyone you really want to. At yeah. least anyone who has desire to do something in Absolutely. social or whatever it may be. And so YouTube was essentially the prerequisite mm. for Enclave and Key as it stands today, the same way that, you know, college is a prerequisite for being a doctor, right? Like I put myself through my own college education, if you will, in my own space by doing YouTube. And I loved it. Yep. It had its time in my life. I wouldn't want to go back to it. Mm -hmm. um, it it's tough. You know, I mean, like I, like I, I gave a perfect example of like when I, in 2017, I had been on YouTube for 12 months. I had 200,000 subscribers, but I had like a very cult audience. Like I had 200,000 subscribers, but mm -hmm. I posted videos every day, like vlog format. Yeah. I get 150 to 200,000 views. All my subscribers were watching every single day. Wow. So I was like, man, I can go on tour. And my mom, this is where my mom and I have always had our little disagreements, but health, health obviously healthy, healthy ones. I'm like, I'm going to go on tour. She's like, Blake, don't like, don't waste your time. Cause like, she was really into it with me. So she's like, I know about Logan Paul and Jake Paul. Like they're on tour right now, but they got 10 million subscribers. You're not going to go on tour and have that kind of experience. Mm. I was like, no, I can, because we can design the tour in a way where everyone who comes gets provided with value and people always love receiving value. There's mm. no one in the world who doesn't love receiving value. Facts. And <laughs> so we ended up doing 28 cities in 31 days. I was 17 years old. It was a summer between my junior and senior year of high school. Over a thousand people showed up at every city and we did like cities like Milwaukee. We did Rahway, New Jersey. I mean, we did some okay. cities that you probably wouldn't expect a YouTuber with 200,000 followers to go do. Thousand every spot, sold out of merchandise, met people for five, six hours straight, had as much fun as I could have. And the truth of it was, and I have a great letter I would love to show you. Oh man, please. On June 10th, 2016, I wrote myself in the in my notes app on my phone. I said, I'm not going to touch this note for a year. If I don't have 10,000 subscribers and over 100,000 views on my channel a year from today, I'm quitting because clearly this is just not the right thing for me. And at some point, to me, like everyone, every entrepreneur has a different opinion on failure. Mm -hmm. To me, like at some point, you actually need to accept it, move on and go to the next thing, in my opinion. Like you can't just sit there and just, just get smacked by failure all day. Like, I don't, I don't, like, I think that's a great soundbite. And Elon Musk, when he says it, it's super convincing, but that's a guy who's never failed, right? <laughs> Come like, on, bro. Or that's a guy who's Come failed on. a couple times, but he's doing all right. So yeah. he's like, oh no, failure is fun. Jeff Bezos, failure is fun. <laughs> like, no, like, that's great. But because I'm not you yet, like, failing doesn't sound like a cool, like, experiential moment for me. Bro, you failure it. sucks, right? Yeah, like, failure sucks. Like I got seven kids behind my failure. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I tell no nah, man, like I can't afford to fail. You know, this is this is a bar because this is like I said, you know, you know how many people can't set realistic it's like, okay, this is this is failing is a possibility and, and it could be recognized, right? And and this is kind of like when when players they're at the tail end of their career. 
they still want to play and they're working out every day. And I'm like, how long are you going to do that? Three years? Like, yeah. And that's kind of the, the idea is like, man, I, I realized I didn't enjoy it as much in that seventh season where, you know, nobody, no calls are coming. I get a couple calls. I'm not in camp. I'm like, man, I need camp. If, if you want, you want yeah. to get these bars and these jewels, I need that. I need, need at least a, a workout paycheck to keep me motivated. Yeah. <laughs> So this is this is this is like where where there's a great failure, and I, and I don't think there's this perfect law about it. Just like you said, but a willingness to say, you know what, if if this is not where I need it to be, we're gonna pivot it, and we're gonna find where the where the, where the recipe really comes together, and you know that's what that's that's a real bar of success, man. So so like talk like like and tell me how that so that experience obviously yeah so so. Going back to what you said about manifestation, like when I wrote that note to myself, that wasn't me writing a note like you can default back in a year from now, look mm -hmm. at this and go, you know what, it's time to quit. Like that note for a year was like my biggest fear. Like when it wasn't working the first couple months, like I'd look at that note and be like, you put 10,000 subscribers on this damn piece of paper and you got 100 right now. Like, what are we doing over here, man? Right? <laughs> no. So seriously, it became something that I like to me it's not even just manifestation it's like truly like there wasn't a world where it wasn't going to go the way that it went mm -hmm. so i intentionally june 10th 2017 one year later i when i was time to read the note again i was standing there and i was reading the note but i was reading the note at the first stop of my own tour in milwaukee wisconsin 2000 people we closed down an entire block of water street in downtown milwaukee for this youtuber 200,000 i'm standing on this little stage <laughs> and crazy. i'm reading this note i'm like honestly like crying in front of 2000 people i'm 17 years old like it's like man like you i actually did it and but it's like and what i said to them as soon as i finished reading it is i was like guys you didn't know it but i, I i've been here for a year yeah like, I, i've known this is like where it's like going like this has been so much sacrifice you know I, I didn't party in high school like it honestly like i had a girlfriend for four years in high school that it honestly didn't work out because yeah. of how busy i was with youtube like i there was a lot of real sacrifice that's taken place in my life to make the business side of this all work and, and i'm and i don't need sympathy for that i i look I, oh, no. I, I i i chalk it all up to when it when there actually comes a day where i've got my wife and i've got my kids and we have a, a great life it's yeah. because of this kind of stuff that's happened in the in the background um but even now like I was literally talking to Brock about it, who's my business partner. Like, I was at Encore Beach Club at the Wynn uh, on Thursday night, mm -hmm. and it was myself, Peyton Barber, Andre Reed, Braxton Berrios, uh, Edgar and James, uh, Chase Young. I mean, the list goes on, and we were all at the same table. We're all vibing. We're all having a good time. And, like, Enclave and Max Management, one of our new partners, nice. shout out to Max Lep, Lep Selter. Um, you know, we kind of put that experience on together. And it's like, I saw that four years ago when it was me and Hayes talking about what okay. we're going to end up doing. You know Fire. what I mean? And it's like, I could tell you things right now that you'd be like, I don't even understand how Enclave ends up there in five years from now, but I already see it. Yeah. I already know where it's going. And it's a, it's a really, really long chess game. Like I, I've told everyone in my staff to watch the show called The Blacklist. The Blacklist. People love that show. The reason it's such a fantastic show is because you there's actually a lot to learn in that show from the standpoint that if he needs to do something, it takes him eight or nine episodes of all these different introductions, all this roundabout, traveling the world. You know, I mean, obviously, <laughs> in the Blacklist case, right? Killing people. I mean, there's of things course, that don't translate to the real-life application of it, but <laughs> it shows you how much goes into one moment. Right mm. now, let me now let me flip it on you because this is your podcast. Oh, right? This is good. How much in your life, if you were if you were talking about your life as a story, right? Where does the story of the catch start for you? 
Because I guarantee, depend, and again, I, it might be based on how close you are to that person, whatever. Yeah. But let's say you and I are really, really tough, right? If I sat down and said, David, I got an hour and a half. Tell me the story of the catch. The catch took, what, seven seconds? But yeah. I guarantee you got a great 90-minute story how it happened. You probably got an eight-hour story. You got a 10-minute story. You got your own story chopped up into so many different versions. Yeah. Like you've said it so many times. Like, I get it. But again, think about that moment and when it actually started for you. Yep. It's, it's not the moment that matters. It's everything leading up to it. That moment doesn't happen if you don't have the support system you have, if you're there not you on go. the team that you're on, in the moment that you're in, if you're not on the field, if some other guy doesn't get injured, right? So, there, there so you go. there's another element of it too, right? It's like everyone says luck is important. Like, yeah, luck is super important. The question is how much of your own luck can you create? Because you're always going to have luck that happens, right? Like if you're behind a guy, we call it, we call it Providence around here. We don't, we don't entertain luck, you know, (laughs) call call it what you want. No doubt. 90% of luck is created, but the people in life that get a little extra 10% boost on their luck because they create the other 90% of it, they know how to handle it. And so they make that 10% feel like an additional hundred and they go kill everything they do. There's a bar. That's a bar. And that, but and you're a perfect example of it, though, right? Oh, listen, I am the example of it, that's for sure. <laughs> like, like, I literally don't know anyone. Listen, I am, I am 100 the example of it because, but, but that's really what it is. That's what, that's the reason why we're having these conversations because, you know, when someone accomplishes something significant, that is what everyone takes away. That's all they want to know about, right? And, and I think that we get it, right? You know, when you accomplish, they want to know, like, man, how'd you do that? And what you value is, you know, the process. What you value is the pain point. What you value is the the, the late night phone call with mom when it was a struggle. Yeah. That's the that's the that's the part where, well, man, if you only knew, right? And so that's what we're focused in on. All right. So you basically just killed it. You lay out everything that catch the moment is about process, journey, and pain point. Like what, you know, just getting to the pain points. What are the things that you, because I'm, like I said, I call myself a, a business owner. I don't call myself an entrepreneur just yet. Okay. Because I think there's a creative element and we water down the use of the entrepreneur. And I would, I would, I would give you, I would crown you with an entrepreneur. You're an entrepreneur. And I'm a business owner and I'm, you know, I'm a budding, budding entrepreneur. Because there's a creative process and a mindset. Like, man, somebody paid me a half a million dollars right now, I go to work. Like, you know, like that's how practical I am, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And just like, yeah, it's just, you, you pay me the right amount of money. I, what, you, what you want me to do? So what has been the pain points for you as an entrepreneur? It's like, you know, everybody, you know what you're good at. But what is the things where you're like, man, I need to smuggle this skill set in? I tell you what, I'm going to give you a really honest answer to this. And I, I mean it in the absolute nice way, but I think it's something I'm going to disagree with you on. Go for it. That question to me is exactly, it. that's a business owner question, not exactly an entrepreneur question. From the standpoint of, to me, I, I really don't think entrepreneurship is a skill set. I don't think it's a job. It's not a profession entrepreneurship is a personality trait. And I honestly, I think it's one that you're born with. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not saying you can't become an entrepreneur. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying you can't become a business owner. And actually, we're actually saying the same thing. I think you just explained it way better. Okay, maybe, maybe, maybe he's yeah. not. Um, like for me- It's a I, DNA type of thing, right? I, I totally think it's a DNA thing. Obviously, it's, it's, it's something that's very much so in my DNA. And we could talk about that if you'd like to as well. But um, for me, being an entrepreneur- you take so many risks that if you're a business owner, you would never dream of taking. But as an entrepreneur, 
you're actually not comfortable if you're not taking those level of risks from the standpoint okay. that you're not actually doing something that's ambitious enough that it's worth doing, right? Like, mm. don't get me wrong. I actually would also challenge what you said and say that you are an entrepreneur. You opened up a smoothie shop. You didn't go into that <laughs> thinking that that was going to be a slam dunk, did you? No, right? I, I, I did. Well, I probably, <laughs> Aaron, I probably it's, it's definitely a risk. You know, I'm actually riskier than my life you know, exudes because, you know, I have seven kids, right? So I use this analogy. Perfect. Another right? example. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very risky, right? I was I was sliding them on in there. Lots of risk. <laughs> right? So, but the the fact that if if, if it's, it's one thing if I take the risk and I get hurt, right? And this is this is the 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 uh, an intriguing conversation for so many different people. Like when I look at a young person and they're taking these risks, it's 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 no less amazing. But there's also a space in my mind where I was like, I'm not, I'm not as impressed because they don't have as much to lose. Now, like money, because once you devalue money from an emotional standpoint, yeah. you're in it for the kill, right? Meaning like, it's, yeah. it's like hunting. You're like, I'm in it for the kill. So success and what really drives the individuals is, is very different. Whereas if my family gets hurt because I overexpose them on a particular decision, that would crush me, man. That would crush me. And that's what kind of keeps me out of certain decisions. Yeah, the, my point is not that you take such wild risks that you end up failing. Mm -hmm. Honestly, when I get asked about risk, I, I have all these great answers because I can name so many times where I've taken risk and it's and, and there's been a lot of reward on the back end. Nice. But in those, in those times, like just being honest, like I, I don't ever feel like I've actually taken like a risk. Like I just feel mm -hmm. like I've done things that are ambitious and the process of doing that other people look at it like, how did you take this risk? You know, whatever. I'm like, you look at it as a risk because you are you don't think the same way that I do. Like, I yeah, actually yeah. live in a state of maximum comfort when my risk tolerance is being a little bit tested. When, um, like, I, like, truly, I think it's a little bit of an abnormal personality type to have. Like, I don't think it's something that people should aspire for. And, like, I also <laughs> think that entrepreneurs do a really good job, especially because of Instagram, of, like, to me, like if someone says, explain your Instagram to me now when I'm not an influencer, I'm like, that's my highlight reel, right? Mm. Like that's my huddle, right? Like that's, that's me with, you know, the, my, the biggest clients, the coolest people in the most fun times, that's whatever. Like yeah. I don't post Instagram selfie videos when I'm sitting in bed at 2 a.m. texting my business partners like, hey, I have this really cool idea. Like I need to talk to you about it like first thing in the morning. Yeah. Who would want to see that, right? And then there's <laughs> some people that be like, well, everyone wants to see that. That's a cool experience, whatever. It's like, yeah, but the only way to understand it is to live like that 365. Boom. And you're not going to get that out of my 60-second reel. So I don't even want to waste your time with 60-second reel. It's not going <laughs> to make any sense. Because, again, it's also, like, very tailored to what I'm doing. Not, you know, I'm not, like, Gary Vaynerchuk, good friend of mine. Yeah. I, you know, nothing but respect for him. But, like, I'm not that guy. Like, I don't <laughs> have it in me to do daily V. Like, I don't have it in me to go give you know, 80 keynote speeches a year. Yeah. Like, because to me, if I'm going to give that keynote speech and fire some people up, again, like I, I do think about who I'm providing value to. Not yep. that I don't want to do that. And I do that sometimes. I mainly will do it, honestly, in the context of I'll go talk to college classes, something like that. Nice. I don't really want to do the conference thing. I would love nothing more than 80 times a year to stand in front of the staff. And nice. If I'm gonna spend that hour giving a keynote and like trying to fire people up, I'm gonna fire them up. Wolf of Wall Street, I, baby. Yeah, like, well, and, and again, like, that's the part of me that I will say I almost like do reel in as more like selfish. Like, I'm not saying like, oh, everything I say is that good that I wanna save it for my team or something like that. It's more so that I'm just like, if I, 
you know, at the end of the day, it's all about the energy that you put out to people. Yeah. And it's really important to put out your best foot and your best energy all the time. And I think if you're not going to do that, you're doing something that like, to me, that's losing. Yeah. Right? And so like, it's an interesting topic for me. I'm really curious your opinion on this. Yeah. Like to me, like, I don't feel cocky saying it. I I feel like I'm a winner. And the reason yeah. I would say that, and I would say that about you, I say that about all my friends is because to me, winning is more about avoiding losing, right? Like losing is not providing value when you get into a room. Losing is getting in a room that you worked very hard to be in and then blowing the moment, right? Like yeah. losing is your alarm goes off and you decide you're not gonna get up, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's so many ways to lose and usually losing is the easier thing to do. So as long as you avoid those traps, yeah. you're a winner. Like, I don't think being a winner is like actually that difficult. I think a lot of people chalk it up to more than it is because they attach to athletics. Like there can only be one winner. Yeah. That's where I totally disagree. I think there's 360 million people in this country. I bet a huge, huge percentage of them are winners, right? Absolutely. And that doesn't mean that they've got this huge bank account. It doesn't mean that they've got this wild go. Rolodex. It doesn't mean anything like that. Winning in this country could mean that you live in, you know, some part of middle America that, you know, no one's ever heard of, but yeah. you've got your wife, you've got your two kids, you got your little picket fan, you know, the whole little American dream on that side of it, right? Like you're a winner. And Absolutely. Like you both might work 80 hours a week, but you guys are winners yep. because you guys are still getting up and you're still going to work and you're still providing for your kids and your kids are still good people. Absolutely. You won. Oh, you're killing it because that's, that's really what's important to me, right? Because like my parents, they were winners, right? Like, and, and being able to like, you know, I get in a different space where I talk about how my dad has, has, he's always been awesome, dynamic, but he's become my hero. My dad right now works full time at my, at my juice bar. Wow. He works full time at my juice bar. Even better, right? And your guys, the juice bar is not viral. So we haven't yeah. had enough conversations. Oh, Enclave, <laughs> I told you, Enclave Key showed up in our, in our, in our DM. So I you got to figure it out. <laughs> I know, we definitely do. So, we'll help you, you know, out. it's the coolest thing. I'm going to tell you this one quick story because this is how I know what you're saying is absolutely true. What makes him a winner was not, not just how he supported me, not just how proud he's been. You know, the moment I take this next step, because he's always, he's, he, he loves to work. So it's like, I'm not killing my dad, trust me. Um, he loves the work. Thank God he's in great health. And, you know, he's like, man, you know, let me know when you got something part-time, man, you know. And I, <laughs> I was working with the Giants, so it's not like I could bring him into the, right, <laughs> to the right. facility. And uh, so we, we opened the juice bar. I said, you, you want to do some part-time work at the juice bar? And, of course, that all goes to crap, right, just like the helmet catch when Eli drops back. It all goes to crap because COVID comes when we when we open in our business, <laughs> yeah. and he goes to full-time. But the craziest part wasn't just that he was there and how dynamic of a worker he, he is. He's like a cheat code for us back there. But it was, man, he would be buying our juice just to make sure that, it, like, in his mind, he was still my dad. Like, making sure I could do everything possible to ensure that my son is a success. So, like, I haven't been able to, like, you know, lay up the biggest, like, you know, killer things and buy my dad a house and do, do amazing things that he deserves but he's going to know he's my hero, right? And that's 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 what we're talking about in winter. So this is so dope, Look, So moving moving into your, when, when I think about, I don't, I don't want to uh, kind of like, do you have some chip in your shoulder and lighter? And, and like, I think you, you, you kind of displace from an ego standpoint where ego is not a big issue for you. But when people do hear your last name and they associate and lights go off in their head, like, does that create a chip? Or is there a goal for you to, you know, like create your own life, legacy outside of what comes with your last name. I'll tell you a really funny story. So uh, I wish I had a little bit of a different background than I did. I think it would might make this a, a better story, but I'll be super honest. Okay. My Growing up, 
I had everything that a person could have. My dad was Steve's right-hand guy. He was president of the hotels. I grew up in a 15,000 square foot house, the largest and most expensive house in the entire city of Las Vegas at the time. <laughs> like bigger than Steve's because Steve lived in the hotel. Like <laughs> there wasn't something I could tell my parents I wanted that I wouldn't get. Eight, eight years old comes around. My parents get divorced. We sell the house. I end up living my whole life with my single mom. Dad goes to China and doing what he's doing with Steve and goes on to move to Los Angeles, whatever. And literally my mom and I spent eight months living in a hotel room, mm. like just one room, went 15,000 square feet to like 150 square feet. Like I'm not even exaggerating for eight months, like very, 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 very new to me. And it, then it was like rebuilding. And yeah. so because of that, my parents got divorced. Steve is my dad's older brother. So Steve and I fell out of touch, didn't talk for 10 years, but at 11, because my mom's not really making any money, I, I'm 11 years old, like, it's kind of like, all right, well, we live in a hotel, like, let's start to figure out what we're gonna do. And yeah. I wanted to contribute, and so that's when I started reselling sneakers and everything like that. And so I I was kind of forced to grow up really, really fast, and I'd been around a lot of those kinds of folks and everything like that. So in 2016, when I started the YouTube channel, two or three months after I started, I had 10,000 subscribers, it's growing really quickly, I just had a video go viral and the review journal, which is like the big local paper in town reaches out. They say, Hey, we want to do a little column on you because you're local, whatever. So yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah. I didn't know how interviews with traditional reporters work. Okay. Okay. So when you interview with a reporter, what you say, I mean, they print that. I thought this guy's trying to get to know me so he can write a good story. So he's saying, how much money do you make? And truthfully went out and it's all in print. So I don't mind saying it now. Yeah. Just how much money do you make? I said, this year, I think I made 125,000. I was reselling sneakers. I was already making six figures when I was 16 years old, right? He says, oh, so like you're 16. Did you buy yourself a car? Yeah, I bought myself a Mercedes, CLA 250, <laughs> brand new. He says, all right, where do you go to school? Meadows, what's your GPA? I, to I told him everything there was to know about me. Mm. His last question, he goes, so like, Similar question, right? Like, do you feel like you're in the shadow, whatever? I said, look, man, by the time I'm done with my entrepreneurial journey, Steve's going to be known as nothing more than my uncle. That soundbite right oh, there. Yes. No. So, so listen, I hadn't talked to Steve in like eight or nine years. I, I didn't care, whatever, right? So because of that soundbite combined with some of the different material that I gave him in that, I think he realized he maybe had a better story than he thought he did. Mm -hmm. So instead of it being a Sunday column, Cover of the Sunday paper in Las Vegas. Big my picture. Success in the jeans or the sneakers. In the sub headline, in black. Quote, by the time I'm done being an entrepreneur, Steve Wynn will be remembered as nothing more than my uncle. <laughs> Didn't care. Two-page two editorial on the cover of the paper. I get called into my school. Why'd you tell him what you... My mom's going nuts. I'm like, I didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't know. <laughs> um, Obviously, I wouldn't have done that had I had I known it was going to get printed. That yeah. kind of created safety hazards for me. I'm like this five six, you know, 124 <laughs> pound, 16 year old kid that like Imagine. is earning a bunch of money. Yeah, probably a liability. Anyhow, later that day, I get a call from a number I don't have on my phone. Hello, <laughs> yes, is this my nephew Blake? Who's this? This is your uncle Steve, the person who uh, is going to be remembered as such when you're done with your entrepreneurial life. Hi, Uncle Steve. It's been it's been ten years. How are you? He says, Blake, do you really believe that's how it's gonna work for you? I said, honestly, yeah. He says, Good. Dinner tomorrow night. Be here. I hadn't seen him in ten years. I get there the next day for dinner. Since then, we have had like the closest relationship. We talk and granted, being close with someone like that, like yeah. Like we only talk probably twice a month, yep, yep. but you're talking about a guy who's like, I mean, literally Say like less. one of the most hundred successful entrepreneurs of all time. Um, he'd done a lot of, a lot twice of amazing a things in his, in his, in his life. He's uh he's become an advisor to our company. 
Um, he's he's been a ton of fun to really get to know. He's opened a lot of a lot of doors just in terms of like the way that my mind works. Yeah, right? like Steve's never like given me gifts and and things like that, like ever. Giving you game. No, he's given me like serious, serious game. Like he's taught me a lot about building a culture, a lot about building business, a lot about deal making. Like he's he's. It, it's and honestly, when when you're talking to a guy like that, I, if we had four hours, I could regurgitate a lot of it to you. Mm-hmm. But like, you hear something different from guys like that than you hear from the Gary V's of the world, honestly. Mm. And the stuff that you hear from guys like that is the real stuff that really changes your business. Like being told how important self awareness is. How do you then apply that later on? Yeah. Right. Like Steve will be like, let me tell you. Like Steve teaches by telling anecdotes. So he'll tell me these different stories that have occurred during his life, mm-hmm. and he basically makes it my job to sit there and figure out how to apply it to myself. It's good. You see what I'm saying? And so it's been, it's been tremendous. He loves that I say that. And so like, it was so funny, like one of the last times I was with him, I mean, and like you should, so Steve's blind, right? So Steve has retinitis pigmentosa. So you can't, he can't see it. What happens is starting when you're about 55, it's, 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 uh, what's the word when it gets passed down genetic, you can't, uh, you can't cure it. He's donated over a hundred million dollars trying to cure it. He can't cure it. And your vision gets more and more of a pinhole till you can't see. Okay. Yeah. So Steve's got all these people around him that help him live. Yeah. And obviously he's got the money to afford to do yeah, that. And so like, course. he's got like a, like someone who essentially spends all day with his phone. And so whenever someone texts him, they read him his text. Someone calls, sir, this person's on speaker and they give got him, it. Or he can't see, right? Yeah. So I'll be with him and we'll be with him for a day. I was with him on his birthday once. Mm-hmm. I have never, sir, queen is on the phone, sir. Like, like queen Elizabeth, sir. Okay. President Trump is on the phone. That's Sir, different. former President Obama is on the phone. Sir, uh, Michael Jordan's on the phone. Sir, Warren <laughs> Buffett's on the line. Sir, Elon Musk is on the line. Everyone calling to wish him a happy birthday on January 27th. I mean, literally, that's the kind of guy he is. I was there for his birthday dinner. We're sitting around this round table. Wilbur Ross, who's the treasurer of the United States. This is when Trump was still president. Yeah. Trump, I mean, they're all there. They're all like, those are, that's the circle, right? Like, you're yep. talking about, frankly, like, I bet people like that. That's where that's who Gary looks at the way that most people look at Gary, right? True, like it, true. it is an, it is a is a level. But I'm going to give you like one example mm-hmm. because I guarantee you, as I tell you this quick little story, your wheels are going to start spinning about your own business, mm-hmm. and the people listening to this, your wheels are going to start spinning about your own business, Absolutely. especially if you have employees. Tell me a story. He says, in the 1980s, we did golden. We had Golden Nugget here, and then we went to Atlantic City to do Golden Nugget. Okay. Right. It was before when Treasure Island, Bellagio, Mirage, he built all those. Bef- long before that, when it was just Gold Nugget, he went to go do a Gold Nugget Atlantic City. He says, everyone in Atlantic City was doing terrible. There was like Resorts World Properties doing terrible. Everyone's mm-hmm. doing terrible. And one day, uh, I don't remember which one it was. I think it was maybe the Taj Mahal. A lot of them, a lot of their employees got laid off. Okay. So Steve goes, I need to call a meeting because everyone's freaking out. Everyone felt like their job wasn't secure, everything like that. He had over 300 employees when he did this, okay? Mm. He calls this meeting and he says, so you guys know, you know, everyone around town isn't doing so well and, 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 and we're sitting here emphasizing how important it is to be the best. Well, I want you guys to know something. You guys are the best. And the reason all of them are struggling is because we're the ones that are winning right now. And he says, so because of that, I know you guys thought you were called here because we were going to do some job cuts today. He says, that's not what we're going to do. He says, I need everyone to go home, but on your way home, I need you to stop the Toyota dealership and we've prepaid for all of you to get a brand new car. So while the other hotel in the same market doing the same thing that Steven and, and, and Gold Nugget win, right? Yeah. Did, they laid off a bunch of their employees. Well, everyone at Win got a brand new car because they were really the best at what they did. 
Yeah. Right. And so like, as I'm telling that, like your mind and Steve is an beyond eloquent speaker. I mean, no one talks like Steve. So, I mean, if you ever listen to one of YouTube videos, I mean, just his voice alone. I mean, yeah. he's, he's a total OG, like, you know, in early days, I mean, his best friends growing up, Frank Sinatra, Bill Gates. I mean, he was oh, one of those kinds of like rap pack, Dean Martin, Joey Bishop, but he, no, he was like literally like he joke, Frank would joke around and say, you're like the fifth member of the rap pack. I mean, that's how close he was with them. And so he's got that kind of classy, like 1950s swag to him. Different kind of legend. But as I share that story, a lot of times people's mind go, okay, so like I've got a, I got a juice bar, right? I got six employees, right? Like, uh, yeah, I'm not buying them a new Toyota tomorrow, but what can I do to show them that they're doing a good job if they actually are, right? Yep. And if they're not, he's taught a lot of other things about how do you really get, how do you get the best out of people, right? How do you, right? Like Gary Vee always say, when people hire, sometimes they try to move people the wrong role. I'd rather just triple down on what you're good at. Great soundbite, but there's so many more layers to it. Yeah. And I will admit, I've had this, unbelievably lucky uh, circumstance in my life being related to Steve where I can sit there and let him explain to me no doubt. really how to tap into all these things for Absolutely. hours and hours and hours and hours on end. That's something called favor, my friend, and I won't apologize for that. No, I mean, look, it, it is what it is. Like, <laughs> yeah. again, like, it, I, I look at it this way, right? Again, Steve's a perfect example. Steve did not reach out to me or quite frankly care until I was doing something that like earned that. Boom. Right? Like, so to finish the story example I was giving, I don't remember, I want to say it was Leo, um, gets calls up Steve the last time I'm with him in September yep. um, in uh, in Beverly Hills. And uh, Steve answers the phone. Well, I'm with my nephew. He's got the gene. He's got this business. Because I'm the, so, I, so also I'm the last uh guy with the last name Wynn, because Steve has two daughters, they already changed their last name, oh, and I have a sister, snap. she she, uh, she has the last name Wynn, but not I know. an entrepreneur or anything like that. I know so, how that means in the family, that's some real stuff right so, there. So he's like, he's got the gene and the name. He's like, talk to him, <laughs> how are you? You're doing well, all right. And then, and then Steve, because everything's on his time, like he's that guy, yep. so he's like, all right, great talking to you, bye. They forgot to even ask him what he was calling no. for, or like anything like that, like it's just, <laughs> it's really one of those people that I mean, they just make you go wow. You mm. know, they they really they really just impress you, and they provide so much value. Yeah, and honestly, like I will say, like there's there's elements that I I don't, but I mean, in a business sense, obviously, someone I look up to, of course. Um, but more so, just someone I learn from. And honestly, I think those are two different things. I don't look up to the people that I learn from. Like I'm learning from you because like I want to do something that you're doing. Yep. And I want and I feel like I either can or one day will do it better. This right? Fantastic. So you know, you mentioned your mom already. Is there anyone else that you really look up to? Um like in a weird way, I actually look up to like a lot of the people at Enclave from mm -hmm. the standpoint that like I'm like, man, like this okay, going back to like the being wired as an entrepreneur thing. You said if I got offered half a million to do a job, I got no pride, I'm going to do it. Me, you could offer me fifty million to go do a job, I'm not doing it. Like there's no there's it makes no world. Sense. Because like, not because of the money, because I'm not doing what I'm doing for the money. Because mm -hmm. if I was doing what I was doing for the money, I probably could have gone and gotten some kind of job like that. Absurd. I'm doing what I'm doing because I want to take something that is a vision in the back of my head. And then 10 years later, I want to see it. I want to see what it looks like. I want to design the life, right? Mm -hmm. I don't need to have, I don't need to be on the Forbes 400. You know, that's not an ambition of mine. I never will get there. Yeah. Um, so when you ask, like, who do you look up to? Like, the fact that there's other people who we've brought on at Enclave, who rally around that vision so much that they work as hard as I do to like make that happen. I'm like, man, like 
I mean, you're literally doing something that I could never do. Yep. Like, never mind that I've got props for you. Like, I actually really look up to it. Like, my biz partner, Brock. Hey, yep. like, there's people in our company. I'll give you another example, and he'll love the shout out. Like, C we have this kid, CJ Jeremy, the one that reached out to you. And yeah. I was like, dude, like, anything that he says he's got for you, like, I'm going to bat for it. Like, uh, again, like, I don't have my hand in every last detail of the business. Yeah. We're, we're a little larger than that now. Of but course, like, of course. CJ's one of those guys, like, seriously, in terms of hours per week worked, probably works harder than I do at this point in time. Fantastic. But he works Enclave. Like, I, I look up to that, like, <laughs> like so, 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 so much. And, and you know, and, and because of it, he's, you know, I, I look at him like a business partner. I don't even look at him as, like, part of the company. Um, I mean, I guess it's one and the same. But, again, yes. it's just, like, to me, I look up to people who do things that I really don't think I could ever do. Mm. Like, honestly, like, and it's like, sounds weird. And it's like one of those cliches, but I really mean it. Like my mom's a better person than I probably will ever be. Mm. Like, I don't think I'm a bad person, but man, I mean, she's got something different, you know? Yeah. Don't worry. I'm the one that tells everybody they're a bad person. We all suck. No, but yeah, <laughs> no, but you know what I mean? Like, seriously, right? Like, we, I mean, it sounds like you with your dad, yeah. right? Like, you're, you're not literally saying your dad's the best person in the world, but to you, he is, and no one will ever trump that because- Think about That's how it. much he's done for you. That's it. And like, I talk about like how in my life I want to provide value, provide value, provide value. I mean, this is a person who spent the last 22 years providing value and has probably never gotten anything in return. I mean, granted, that's not how no, a parent no. looks at it, but you know it's what true. I mean? I mean, it's being just, a parent is, is just different. Can you really repay that though? It's, it's kind of one of these things where, you know, we like to say we bought mom a house, you know, we did something that was material and, and some, of course they appreciated and value it, but for the most part, it's it's you living, thriving, and walking into your... I Honestly, you even just... I'm so glad we did this now. You actually just unlocked something in my brain. I love that word, repay. Truly, I could probably think of a couple more. The people in my life who I truly look at as heroes, I look at them that way because I couldn't ever repay them. Like, oh. in a weird way. Like, that is almost like the weird qualification. Like, I, like, yeah. like Brock, like... I think he would feel the same way about me. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. But man, it's like, that's a kid. Like, I don't think I could ever like pay him back, even though like, I mean, he's literally getting paid, right? I mean, yeah, like all these yeah. different things. They could never <laughs> pay him back for that level of contribution. Right. Like I could never pay my mom back for the way that she raised me. Right. And, uh, you know, and like I said, I mean, there's some others. Right. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I do think for me, the benchmark of, of what makes someone a hero is someone who's, who's not even done so much for me, but just been such a specific kind of part of my life mm. that I can just look at them and go, I can't repay you for being here. This is freaking dope. So, so like I'm, I'm grabbing who you are as a person, obviously in the marketplace, dynamic entrepreneur, you got tremendous mentors up and down. Um, when I think about older partners with Enclave, um, as, as you're into, you know, as you're finding, continuing to see evolve and find your niche, what do you see, whether it's the future of Enclave or listen, we, you know, you're in Vegas, we got, Sports, sports gambling. We got, you know, you got sports coming into Vegas. You got a lot of different moving pieces that I'm sure you have experience and interest in. Web3, what are some of your hot button um, interests as you're moving forward and growing? So right now we have Enclave and Key, which is our marketing agency. And we do, you know, we have a lot of large clients now. We have a handful of Fortune 500 companies all the way down to small businesses that we're helping a lot. So I nice. love where Enclave is at but there's more layers we can add to it because again, Enclave itself is just this group. It's just mm -hmm. this group of a few thousand people that pull all the strings nice. and are just really good people. So how do you tap into that more? 
in my life, I've done a lot of angel investing. I've loved being a part of small business, especially one that's not my own. Yeah. It's, if, if nothing else, it's a refreshing call once or twice a week where I can talk about the inner workings of a business that's not my own business. So I've, I've loved it. It's a great way to learn hands-on. And like, I'm putting real money. I'm putting in yeah. $25,000 to $100,000 every time I do this. I do it eight to 10 times a year. I mean, I'm spending real money on small business. Nice. But we've had a couple that have been so successful that my just track record individually is strong enough now that we're actually in the process of starting Enclave Ventures, which is going to be a small fund arm that the business has that invests in creator and tech-driven tech startups. Um, second component of that is like Enclave Partners. So we have a whole list of clients. Perfect example, I was sitting at lunch on Tuesday with the Gronk family. They've got Drink, right? Yeah. Which is like this new like energy it, vitamin drink that they've got. They've obviously got a killer marketing arm. They don't really need to hire Enclave and Key to do that. <laughs> like we do sports marketing. Like Rob Gronkowski owns half your drink. Like you probably <laughs> don't need my help on that front. Yeah. But I got, I got 600 guys who cumulatively throw 300 camps a year for kids. You don't want nice. to get your energy drink at those camps. We got... 40 or 50 other client events we throw every year. So now we're gonna have Enclave partners where a business like that can come in. They don't have to be an Enclave and key client. Yeah. They can be a partner of the Enclave hemisphere and they can send their drink to these players' camps. They can send it, right? They can do certain things that like a, a bunch of promo from Rob Gronkowski can't solve for them. A bunch of promo from Gordy mm -hmm. can't do, right? Nice. Um, but again, like I'm sitting at lunch with them like in my head, I'm like, of course I look up to you guys. Like, are you kidding me? Like, you're, you're Gronk, man. Like, come on, you're the, you're the best to ever do it. But at the same time, I'm sitting there and I'm like, I'm sitting there, value, value, value. Like literally during this lunch, it was the first time I met them on Tuesday. I put them in like eight or nine group texts with other individuals that I knew would help them. They all, already off the back, I introduced them to the partnership director for the Miami Heat. Their drink's going to be in the Miami Heat Stadium next year. Nice. Like, so all of a sudden, like, I brought something to the table that they honestly didn't know how to like get themselves. Yeah. As a result of that situation, they're like, oh my God, like we really, we really enjoy hanging out with you. They're like, you got to come to Gronk Beach on Friday. I'll go to Gronk Beach on Friday. <laughs> so literally on Friday, it wasn't like, oh, like we put your name. They're like, yeah, we got your name on the list. Like, cool. So I get to the list like, oh, okay. They give me this like little gold wristband thing, right? Willie Wonka tickets, baby. Next thing I know, I am literally standing on stage and it is no one besides myself, Rob Gronkowski, Julian Edelman, Camille Kostick, Pop, <laughs> Papa G, Papa Gronk, uh, Chris, Glenn, and uh, and Dan, all the brothers. And we're standing there going nuts, chain smoker. Oh, yeah, and the chain smokers, right? Because they're on the stage performing, obviously, right? And we're all up there. I've known them for three days, but I've provided them <laughs> with eight huge bits of value. Yeah. By the end of Friday afternoon, we thought we knew each other for two or three years. You Pretty know what awesome. I mean? And it's like, Again, everything I say, like, and that's the other reason I couldn't be like Gary Vee. I really only got like two or three opinions. Gary yeah. Vee's got a whole laundry list of different opinions. So that's and, me. I, and they're not, they're not wrong. <laughs> not provide, good stuff. provide value. Don't be a loser. Like, thank you. <laughs> like literally, like that's kind of where I sit, right? Yeah. Like everything I've, all these different stories, all these different things we've talked about. I, I just naturally revert back to those two things. Cause like, those are the two things that are like fundamental to me and everything else is just part of the part of the stem part of the blossom from that man you kill it because fundamentals have to be like it has to be simple right in order for you to really get it in order to be ingratiated I, elevated integrity is like one of my like listen man that's don't be a loser yeah man and it's not about this ain't about like moral perfection it's about be just just be stable and don't <laughs> Don't be, don't be a fraud. You know what I mean? Like, no, and it's like, that's the whole thing right there. Right. And, and, and so going back to the 22 year old thing, so I'm standing up there, right? 
you don't think everything in me is like, man, dude, pull out your phone right now and take a video. This is, I mean, this is a next level <laughs> video. But I'm like, to me, like that's what a loser would do. Like a loser in that situation would pull out their phone. And like, I'm not saying a loser is in like a, like screw you, you're a bad person, but I'm saying a loser in the sense of like, they're not going to win that moment. They're not yeah. going to catch that moment, right? I caught that moment. Ooh. We really hit it off. So much so that Camille's like, me and Camille specifically really, really hit it off. Like she yeah. literally texted me this morning. I haven't seen her in four days. Like we're, we've been texting every single day. It's about different stuff. So, and she's like, so like, do you have a girlfriend? Blah, blah, blah. And I have a great girlfriend. been together over a year and a half now. I'm like, yeah, I have a girlfriend. Where is she? Oh, she's at the office. Like my girlfriend and I work together, yeah, right? Absolutely. Oh, she's at the office. Oh, she's not out here. Give me your phone. So Camille says, give me your phone. I give Camille my phone. She takes my phone. She switches over to video. She goes, Nora, Blake's told me all about you. Get out of the office and come to Encore Beach Club. Blah, 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 blah. I text Love a video it. and it's like that. That's a, obviously a different thing, but it's like, that's with it. Like now there's a real relationship there, there right? Like, like she's like taking my phone, giving my girlfriend who she's never met, who's not there who with this kid that she doesn't know from Adam until two hours ago, that's where we're at now. Because even when I'm talking to her, I'm like, hey, like whenever you come to win, like obviously if you need anything, like you let me know, whatever. She tells me this whole story about how like when she got the call to be on the cover of Sports Illustrated, she was at the win on vacation. So she's got this huge like sentimental attachment to the nice. hotel and it's this whole thing. And I'm getting to know her as a person. And honestly, right. I can learn from Camille if I get to know her as a person. Absolutely. What am I going to learn from the photo? <laughs> like I'm going to learn how many of my friends like her in the picture because right? they're not going to like that picture for me. They're liking that picture for Camille anyway. So, well said, bro. you know what I mean? Man, this is gems because like, and that's, that's what we're finding at the end of the day. It's everything about recognizing the value in people, right? It's, it's always going to be in the EQ space that we're going to win at the highest level. Everybody's got skills, right? It's like in, in athletics really shows us that, especially when you weed out that 1%. And I tell every guy who gets their shot, you know, Draft just passed, and every every guy who got drafted and everybody who's an undrafted free agent, they're the best in the world at what they do. Yeah. Like, you know, like when you look at the numbers of kids who started playing, uh, whether it's just high school sports, and now you're looking at these guys who are currently on a roster, you're the best in the world. Yeah. And, and although there's a rookie who hasn't even done, he hasn't sniffed the field yet, he needs to know that. And now he needs to take that confidence and build his resume. He has skills. But if he doesn't have the internal fortitude, if he doesn't have the self-awareness, if he doesn't have any vision, if he doesn't have the mindset to know what, 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 what time to push that button, what time to pull back, what time to give his all on special teams, even though he feels like he's shot, right? And this is all, all you're doing every day, establishing an amazing, amazing group. I just think the most uncomfortable position a person can be in is when it's time for them to sell themselves and they don't feel like they're the best at what they do. Oh man, you hitting the heart. You see what I'm saying? Like you hitting my heart right there. <laughs> no, but like right, like if if right when like if it comes time for you to like you know when it comes time to sell your juice, right? Yeah, like, it's gonna be really tough for you to sell juice to someone if you think that your juice sucks. Real talk, right? Well, that's what that's one of the things that took took the longest for me to to get to the market. Like as far as me, my person, my brand is like, well, I know who I am, but until I can present this in a way where it's like. Where the value, because if I'm gonna, if I'm gonna, like, listen, I gotta hold hold my value, and if it's not, if, if I can't deliver it the way the, the way that my vision can uphold it to, we we just not gonna go. We'll just wait because when I enter the market, then it's takeover time. Right. Right. Like it's like when I, but the product has to be right. Right. The product has to be right. Or it's got to be consistent with what you're saying, whatever it is. Right. Because we know we got junk products. You know we got. <laughs> no, but like, but like, honestly, I think you don't. That's what, again, that's why I give you credit for already being an entrepreneur. Like, 
you wouldn't come out with a junk product right now. It would Heck bother no. you too much. Oh my God, it would kill me. But if you were here to make money like a business owner is, you would come out with a junk product if you thought you could make money on it. That's a bar right there. That is 100% a bar right there. So yeah, we, 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 I'm, listen, I'm growing, I'm growing a thousand times over just catching these, this, the, 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 the wind vibes. The, <laughs> the winds are blowing. <laughs> I will say this. This is like a fun side note. So like I said, I didn't really know Steve that much growing up. I knew him until I was six, and then I knew him again since I was like 18 years old. Like I'll sit and have conversations with him, and he'll be talking, and I'll be like, so like Mark, who's sitting here, has met him, Brock, yep. my girlfriend. Like we had a conversation a couple months. Actually, I did see him even more recently than I mentioned. We saw him in New York maybe a month or two ago, and he starts talking about culture, and it was so weird. Like I literally, like we all started looking at each other. Like he said things the exact same way that I said them, but I've never heard him say it that way. Yeah. And it's like, that's where I go to like, I do think a lot of this comes in the gene. Like, I really do think that like, there's okay. like, I, I've like, I've got his genes and honestly, he's got his father's genes. Yeah, like yeah. it's our grandfather who died in 1961. He was one of the first people I ever got open heart surgery. Uh, uh, didn't make it off the table when he was like 46 years old. So Steve's dad died when Steve was 21 and my dad was 10. They're 11 years apart. And, uh, there's so much there that he has learned. And that's why I say, see, I said, there's one thing in your whole life you could have done differently. What would you do? He says, Blake, I'm, and you know he's serious because he'll get real serious. His jawline will clench up like this and he'll go, Yeah. Everything. I'd give up everything for 15 minutes to walk through the Wynn Hotel with my dad. If mm. he could have seen what I built, if he could have seen what I built, I would have made him, he, he, uh, he would, he, he would have dropped dead there. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, and, and he's not, and he's, and he's not wrong. So, so, and then the business before that, uh, he ran a bingo business. So it was a small, small, small gambling bingo. operation right outside of Washington DC. And that's the business that Steve and my dad grew up on. And Steve ended up meeting some of the right folks being brought out to Las Vegas and decided that this random little stamp of desert deserved a makeover. <laughs> I mean, you gotta understand like legendary, like Steve is, Steve is golden nugget, treasure Island, Bellagio, Mirage, Win, Encore, Win Macau, Win Palace, uh, Gold Nugget Biloxi, Gold Nugget Atlantic City. These are some of the nicest resorts ever created. You I, didn't, know? I, I, didn't, mean, I didn't know half of those. I didn't know that he, yeah. he was on half. And Win Boston. I forgot about Win Boston. I, that that's, exists now too. That's insane. You probably don't go there though. You don't nah. spend much time in Boston. Nah, nah, <laughs> I, I, I ain't got too many friends out there right now. But yeah. I'm looking for some. Yeah. I'm going to do a tour in Boston. What'd you think? Yeah. I think Rodney Harrison's living out there these days. So maybe you guys can catch up. I'm about to say, he might, he might not even be good in Boston right now. Who knows? I know. No kidding. <laughs> no, nah, he did way more good for them than, than, uh, than that one moment. So bro, like it, I, obviously I, I consider this the beginning of many conversations, hopefully on camera, man. I mean, you're, 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 you're inspirational on a lot of different levels. So like I said, I would even, just be honest, like man, this kid's one of this kid's one of my mentors, man. We're gonna we're gonna chop it up. We're gonna keep growing. We're gonna keep doing great things together. But I, I, I mean, you you're 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 just a dynamic um, person in the way that you think, right? I think it's all there, whether it's genes, vision, grit. Um, but you got it the right way, man. You're full of you're full of the right stuff. So I want to thank you, man, for taking some time to catch the moment. Now I I got one last one last one too because. In your in your in your young in your twenty two years on this earth, there actually has been some like some major highlight reels. Like I don't even know if you're really putting the highlight reels on Instagram, <laughs> <laughs> right? Like what you just some of the stuff you talked about was the highlight reel, right? So what what would you say up to this point has been the defining moment for you that you maybe revert back to? Is when people ask me about the helmet catch, 
Well, I say, you know what? It's, it's like a memorial. I go back to it. I revisit it. I, all the good vibes and good feelings. I can thank God that this happened to me. But of course, you got to move on and continue to um, establish what has been the, the one the one seed of accomplishment or moment that you kind of maybe that's your baby. Probably going probably the tour I did on YouTube. Like it's not that I haven't had moments that I consider catch kind of moments in, yeah. in Enclave, but no, I I look at it like where like where do I think the story really starts? Like mm-hmm. granted, that story starts even earlier than that. But I told you about that note that I have in my phone. Like, I still got that note in my phone. It still will say on it the right timeline. I've never touched a word of it. And, like, when I was, like, standing up there, like, what made me, like, literally, like, break down and cry in the middle of downtown Milwaukee was the fact that it was, like, this was the first time that, like, I manifested something. And to the T, it got Mm -hmm. done. And honestly, even a little bit better than I had manifested. It really felt that way. And then it was, like, next day, Cleveland, same thing. Next day, Detroit, same thing. Like, I, there's a, that'll show you how much I like really cared about this. Like I could tell you in order, like Milwaukee, Cleveland, Detroit, Boston, Rahway, New York City, upstate New York, Fort Lauderdale, Dallas, Houston, Phoenix, LA, Seattle, Portland. Like that was the order I did my tour. (laughs) Vegas, like uh, Toronto, London, like I went uh, Glasgow. Like I'm like standing in Glasgow at 17 years old and I didn't know anyone there to like host my event. So I said, everyone meet me in downtown, the middle of the square. We had police like end up like having to shut it down. We had like 500 people come <laughs> and, it, and that was in Glasgow. That was the one that didn't have a thousand people, 500 people in Glasgow, Scotland. And I was only there cause I was golfing, but it's like <laughs> those moments, like I'm like, man, if I could do this, right? Like, cause clearly you have impact on people if they're willing to dedicate that amount of time to you. And then there all of a go. sudden, not only are they in Glasgow, but they're like, I couldn't miss it that you were coming, but I live in Edinburgh. Edinburgh is a seven hour drive, right? Like all these places are far. Oh, yeah. like I flew in from, from Wales, I flew, right? Whatever it may be. And that to me was like, okay, if I can do this and then I then go to a business where I just got to figure out how to provide value to one person, yeah. I just provided value for over 30,000 people in a month. Like I can provide value to one guy in one dinner. Are you kidding me? Yeah, bro. Like yeah. It, it, it makes Gordy, <laughs> it makes you, it makes, it, honestly, it makes everyone else simpler Yes. From the standpoint that it's like, I, if you could do it at this level, you could do it at that level. Right. Absolutely. It's a lot different figuring out how to provide value for 30,000, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and also too, like, and I didn't really touch on this and I, I don't mean to not make this, give, but give it to me. Um, I'm, I'm here for it. I went to the same school pre-K through 12, 55 kids in the grade, the same 55 kids. Same so, building for 12 years? Same building for 13 years. Damn. Uh, same same 55 kids, like same everything. And so literally until I was like 16 years old and granted, I did very well sneaker reselling, but I did all that on eBay and over the internet. So like, I didn't really know a lot of people from from that time. So like you're talking about a kid who really, I bet I had met less than 150 people in my life until I was 16 years old. Like that's how kind of sheltered small, because again, like I wasn't partying, I was working, but I was working on a business behind a computer screen. Smart guy. And, uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and so for me, that was like, like at times, like it actually gave me a little bit of social anxiety. Like, whoa, like this is a lot of people. Like, this is just so much. Yeah. Like, like human. It really, you know yeah, I mean? so like, it's a whole lot of energy, uh, a whole lot of demands. <laughs> a whole, like it, it, it's all a lot. And, and even that, like when I went on tour, like that was my first time doing that. So like I would see the numbers on the screen. Yeah. But then when you see it in person, you know, I mean, I had someone who, uh, I, I don't even want to say their name because I, I think it was supposed to be private, but I will tell the story. Like, yeah. like, uh, Oh, Chicago was actually the first city I forgot about. But uh, when I did my stop in Chicago, this kid comes up to me. He's like, hey, Juan, do you know, like when I was in the hospital, like dealing with some, I'm not going to say what it was, like dealing with something. 
Like I would watch videos to get me through. Mm. Um, I got through what I was going through and I actually went out and I won like a Paralympic silver medal and he gave me his silver medal. See, like I literally have a Paralympic silver medal in my house, sick. actually in a safety deposit box, but yeah. I literally have this thing from someone who like, I mean, I, I didn't know his name until he came up to me and told me his story. He says, here it is. And he's crying. I said, I can't take this. I can't take this. No, no. Like I'm leaving it here. Like this is, this is for you. Like I have, like I, I have an Olympic champion telling me like, I have this because of you. Like this is yours. Yeah. Like he's only getting one of those. He, and he, he only did ever get one of those. And I've, I've still, I'm still in touch with him. And I say, you ever, you, you want me to send it back? You need it for speeches, whatever. He said, like, Blake, like that is yours. And like to this day, that's, that's still the only time I've ever even seen him in person. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like that level of impact. I look at it like another person I probably couldn't repay. He looks at me as someone who's probably provided him. So, I mean, clearly provided him a ton of value. Yeah. That's how I want to always be known. Like if you hear my name get said, right. If you talk about me to somebody else, like I want the reviews to be glowing up, man, you know what? I'm going to connect you to Blake. Just be, not, you couldn't help Blake, but Blake can help you. And Blake yep. loves doing that. So like you're comfortable connecting me to someone in your network because you know that I'm going to deliver and everything like that. And so like, and, and that soundbite I must admit came from Jordan Greenfield, one of the companies I invested in. He was on nice. a podcast. I was listening to it yesterday and he name dropped me and said like, I will always connect people to Blake because if I connect anyone to him, even if they have nothing to do with what he does, he will always be solid. And I know what I'm going to get in Blake. And like, as I was hearing that, I like sent it to my team. Cause I'm like, see, like, this is what like I'm talking about. Like, I'm not saying like, look at me, like this is what it takes. I'm saying like, no, this is how you need to be talked about when you're not sitting there. Because the alternative is, like, again, it's easier to talk about the negative things about somebody than the positive things. It's very easy. <laughs> if, if, if I bring up the New York Giants to you, yep. you got a whole bunch of good memories there. I do. But I bet it'd be pretty easy for you to share some not-so good memories Oh, there. gosh. Right? I got a few of those, man. It, it is easy. And, and honestly, it's easier to share those than it the is. good ones. It is. It is, man. I mean, it, like I said, you know— and I don't. I wouldn't share. I wouldn't share much much detail in in the negative ones because that's how good the good ones are. No, and that's and you that's know? totally fair. Yeah. But you would still maybe even tease oh, some yeah. of those things oh, yeah. easier than you would tease some of the wins. Yeah, mostly because of disappointment. But absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's 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 it's, it's that's the nature of a relationship, right? Because and I tell people like, disappointment is the 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 blow to the heart that that actually shapes the narrative of most of your conversation because. When things are well, they're well, and that's your expectation. The moment you find out somebody's not who they are, it's like, oh my goodness. And I'm not—that's not zero reference to the New York Football Giants. But the moment that you know, when you've when you've upheld someone, right? And this is the, the amazing power of relationships and how the the business relationships they can be restored, right? Relationship to business. But once I found out that person is blemished in some way, can you still value them? the same way or can you still uphold the relationship and maybe for business it's not then maybe you do need to move on maybe for the nature of the relationship whatever level maybe you do need to move on but ultimately as, as you have you built the value in your name and all the treasures skills and worth that Blake Wynn has when someone said Man, you need to be connected to Blake your goal in your life is to uphold that so that not that you're perfect but that you can uphold the integrity that you've accrued through your name and that's that's eternal value, brother, because you've already seen just your your commitment to people yield inspirational results. That's killer. And I'll tell you the because this is something you did at. I I want to share my biggest piece of inspiration. There's Give one story that I use. Can you can I have my phone? 
I want to. Yeah, I, I need this. I need it's this. one like small paragraph, and I have it in my phone. I look at it all the time, and I want to share with you because I think you'll really like it. And I don't want to mess it up because the way that it's supposed to be said is the way that it's worth saying. I love it. Give me two seconds. I love it. I love it. I love it. We out here getting these bars. I'm going to find it. Give me two seconds. No, man. We're good. We're clean this up. Seconds. Oh, okay. You guys can chop it, right? Yeah, we're good. Okay, cool, cool, cool. We're good. Two seconds. Um, <clears throat> 45 in this clip? Oh, okay. Okay. Wait. Chop it down. <laughs> Get me out of it. I actually... The first time, because I've had multiple people that, like, I respect at the highest level mm -hmm. tell the story to me. Like, I've heard it come out of Tom Brady's mouth. I've heard it come out of my uncle's mouth. Like, I've only heard it come out of, like, those kinds of people's mouths. And it's, like, one of those stories that, like, seriously, everybody should know. Let me. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's why I won't load it. The Wi-Fi wasn't working. Here we go. It should work now. Okay. Sweet. Here we go. This is a very quick one from Alan Watts is the guy's name. He goes, so once upon a time, there was a Chinese farmer whose horse ran away. That evening, all of his neighbors came around to commiserate. They said, we're so sorry to hear your horse run away. This is most unfortunate. Farmer says, maybe. The next day, the horse came back. But when he came back, he brought back seven wild horses with him. And in the evening, everyone came back and said, oh my gosh, isn't this lucky? What a great turn of events. You now have eight horses. Farmer says, maybe. The following day, his son tried to break one of the horses, and while riding it, he was thrown off and broke his leg. The neighbors came back and said, oh, dear, that's too bad. The farmer responded, maybe. The next day, the conscription officers came around to conscript people into the army, and they rejected his son because he had a broken leg. Again, all the neighbors came around and said, isn't that great? Again, he said, maybe. So the point is, and that's the end of it, and so the point is, is that all these things can happen in life that in the moment can seem good and or bad, but as long as you really understand the long-term goal of what you're trying to do, then all those little things, maybe it is good, but maybe it's not so bad, right? Like the mm -hmm. failures, right? Like that's where I think that failure gets a lot of misconceptions because you're right. Maybe it isn't bad if you fail because maybe that failure prompts a win. Absolutely. It's being okay with that failure and like feeling like that's like an, a way to justify coming up short that where I say it falls off. Absolutely. But you really never know what you're going to get. You know, like when we think about it, we literally connected on a cold DM. I said, I'm coming to New York. Like, let's go get some pita. Yeah. Yeah. For whatever reason, you agreed to go take this <laughs> at then like 19 or 20 year old to pita. I had two other 19 or 20 year olds that worked at the company that are still at the company that you even just saw last night come with me. And it's like, when we first met, they were like, so what are we doing meeting with David Terry? I, I don't know. Like, what's going to happen? Anything going to happen? Maybe. Maybe not. But no, but seriously, like, that's how you always have to live your life is you can't. And I think that's where people that are keeping score of the favors and of the stuff like yeah. that is where they fall short because, like, maybe is a loss in their eyes. Like, mm. maybe is the most promising part of my life, you know, uh -huh. is the fact that it can go, anything can go anyway. You know yeah. what I mean? 
And so like, yeah, I, I love that. I want to share that with you. I mean, I, it's like my, I like, I think about that all the time, like, especially on the bad days. I'm like, you know what? Maybe this was good. You know what? Like I've, I've gone through, you know, I mean, I've fired my best friend. I mean, I, I've, there has been those, those shit moments, Yeah. but it's like, you know what? Maybe that was the right thing to do because you know what? Five years from now, he may be somewhere in his life and he's like, man, had you not fired me, I wouldn't have been able to be here. There you, go. you know what I mean? And if it doesn't work out that way, that's the other side of the maybe. And that is life, right? At some point it does boil down to life, but it all goes back to like, maybe, you maybe. know, maybe, maybe, <laughs> well, so that's why you just got to be a good person. Do your thing. You know, I w well said, man, you're elevating integrity. You're leading the way. Um, listen, man, you've caught a lot of moments and there's a lot of, a lot of great things to, to expect moving forward. Um, I got to thank you, man. We're going to wrap this one up and we're going to open up another dialogue because we're doing this thing. You know, there's no maybes about us moving forward. We're going to continue to get, get great done. Thank you for coming through Catch, Catch the Moment. Man, thank you for having me. It's been fun. Man, you're my guy, man. We'll check in. Listen, everybody, y'all make sure y'all check in. This right here is a life changer. Just tune into every moment. Catch the moment, subscribe, do all that stuff. And I, I don't like to, I haven't got my, you know, my, 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 my wording and my verbiage right, but subscribe, share, every platform catches. Blake Wynn, CEO of Enclave and Key, is changing the game. Y'all be back with us. Catch the moment.